Hey guys, I just wanted to sneak in here real quick and remind you that Brooke and I have actually created an incredible online self-guided audio course just for you. It's live right now. Click the link in the description box below to check it out. If you're tired of diets, having anxiety around food, worrying about what to eat, how much to eat, and when to eat, then this course is perfect for you. We take you from where you're at now to a life of food freedom. There's 10 modules filled with audio lectures and journal prompts that will help you dig deep and make lasting change. Okay, thanks for listening. And now back to the show. Hey, 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 welcome back, Diet Riders, to the Diet Riot Podcast. I'm Brooke Miller. I'm Alyssa Miller. We're both We're dietitians, <laughs> both moms, both live in Denver, and both from the Midwest. And both still quarantined, just still. in case anyone was curious about that. I don't know what it's going to change. I know. I'm not sure. They keep pushing it back. It was really funny. We were in the car yesterday picking up my daughter from, I I feel like I need to explain myself so people don't think I'm just like arbitrarily going out of the house for no reason. But we were picking up our kids from my grandparents or whatever. Their grandparents. (laughs) Their grandparents. Yes. From their grandparents' house. Um, Anyways. So we were in the car and I was talking to Josh about, like the stay at home order. And I said, when do you think it's going to lift? And he's like, Oh, let me look it up. And he looked it up. and He's like, Oh, it looks like it's April 30th. So just a few days. And I was like, they've they pushed that thing back like four times. What do you all of a yeah. sudden like believe? And he's like, no, it's only like four days away. And I'm like, no, 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 no. They're going to push it back. Of course they're they going to push it back. Yeah. They canceled I'm the sure. rest of the school year for most counties here. So of course they're going to push it back. But anyways, yeah. we're still quarantined. So Although we do like, you guys know that we record multiple episodes when we're t- together on Zoom. So mm-hmm. there's a chance that one of our episodes that says we're still quarantined comes out and we're actually not. We'll That's keep you true. updated on social. <laughs> well, if that, dad, if that does happen, then everybody will just be so much more grateful that they're not quarantined. It'll just be a reminder. Yes. If you're listening to this on the other side of quarantine on a beach somewhere, uh, remember uh. how lucky you are in these moments. Oh, man, I really wish I would have gotten our beach vacation that we were supposed to have. Oh, I know. Josh and I were talking about that the other day. We were like, because we, okay, this was funny. We went over our, because we make goals every year or every, uh-huh. yeah, at the beginning of every year. And we had goals, first of all, to travel to four places this year. So we got the one, we got the Jamaica. Of course, we got it. You guys didn't, <laughs> but we got the Jamaica trip. But then we also had things like invite friends over every Friday for dinner, shop more at stores and garage sales. Like I haven't come over for dinner. Come on, you if haven't. This you still had three months to invite me over for dinner. Uh, no, no, no. We quarantined <laughs> at the end of February, and we made our goals at the beginning of February. Uh, so we had uh, four Fridays, okay, and every okay. four were family. <laughs> okay, <laughs> don't worry, it. it's coming. It's coming always. For, for those of you who don't know, Alyssa and I were supposed to go to Jamaica together in January, and we did. We made it all the way to Jamaica, and then when we got there, we had a great day on the beach, and then we got into our hotel that night, and my husband said, oh my gosh, I have a pulmonary embolism. So then it was, do we go to a hospital in Jamaica and spend our time in the ICU, or do we get back to the U.S.? So we took a risk. We flew back to the closest hospital in the U.S., which was in Miami, and then we spent our vacation in the ICU. That was how we spent ours, and I lived vicariously through your videos. (laughs) 
but good times um, good times. yes we were he's supposed okay to have now. a wonderful vacation he's alive yes he's alive he's alive. He survived he's had multiple pulmonary embolisms yeah so he knew exactly what it felt like but how scary to be out of the country that then, yeah. even in miami you know when your home's in denver it was horrible and josh and i felt yeah. like we stole a vacation because <laughs> literally brooke planned like all of it yeah she like would text me something and be like what do you think and i'd give my opinion maybe but like literally but now i feel she like it you vetted it out for me. So if I ever go back to Jamaica, I'm just going to ask you what was worth it? What wasn't? What should I do? What should I not do? So now I feel like I have just like my own private. Private travel consultant. Well, I'll tell you, you did a great job planning it. It was great vacation. And luckily we did get that in because probably the rest of the year. We're not. Yeah. Oh, thanks. Um, okay. So no, today we should maybe tell them what we're talking about because it's not travel and it's not the days and (laughs) yeah today Um, we're gonna be talking about body positivity fat positivity body neutral weight neutral thin privilege and you guys have probably heard these terms but we wanted to dive in depth with what they mean how we perceive them and what you may see out there on social media because i think there's a lot of mixed messages when it comes to these terms So which one do you want to talk about first? Well, yeah, I just want to say, first of all, if you're completely new to this space, this world, intuitive eating, I don't know, if you've seen any of these terms used before, it's okay if you feel overwhelmed. It's okay if you feel like you don't know what's right, what's wrong. Brooke and I, let's just be super clear and blunt here. We are not politically correct. Okay? Okay. Check. 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 Listen, we're not here. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) We are not here to offend people or to hurt people. And we will absolutely admit when we've made mistakes and all those things, but we're not great at being politically correct. Not because we don't think it's important, but it's hard to keep up. You guys, these things are changing so rapidly. And I think we're going to get into that a little bit today that like the correct terms to use have shifted from like, Mm -hmm. this is what you should be saying. And now all of a sudden, if you're saying that it's been demonized and we've seen this in all areas of our culture, we're not going to get like too political in here, but terms can be shifted and changed. And no one alerts you when it changes, right? No one like sends you a phone alert. That's like, Hey, don't use this term anymore. (laughs) You know? So it's okay if you're in a process and it's okay. If you don't understand it, it's okay. If you don't agree with us today, Brooke and I actually haven't talked about this. So we may not even agree with each other. Who knows? It's okay to be on the spectrum. It's okay to still be learning whatever is going on with you. It's okay. But we wanted to do a little bit of definition training on some of these terms because I do think Brooke and I, sometimes assume you guys as listeners know what we're talking about with certain terms because we are so entrenched in this world of intuitive eating um, that you may not. Like we talked about the other day how some people may not understand what we mean by food freedom, right? So like Mm -hmm. you guys, so we want to have episodes like this that are educational for people who are just dipping their toes into intuitive eating and getting maybe a little overwhelmed with the activism side of it that comes out sometimes, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. And I think um, if we want to maybe dive into body positivity and fat positivity, I think yeah. they kind of go hand in hand. Um, it's definitely a huge step for activism, which I think is definitely needed and, and heading in the right direction. And so what positive body positivity is, is accepting your body at any size. So whether you're big, small, tall, short, whatever, color your skin is, you know, however you look on the outside, just accepting that. 
and encouraging of self-love and improving self-esteem. And so there's a lot of really cool activists out there on social media that I follow and they preach this message and they're not a size zero and they embrace it. They fully embrace it. And it's really cool to see. There's actually this one girl, I don't know if you follow her too, but she posted a bikini thing on TikTok and she got it taken down because she was in a bigger body. So TikTok removed it. They didn't want anybody fat in a bikini. And so, yeah. And so what she's doing is trying to tell TikTok, Hey, I don't care that I'm fat. I deserve to be in a bikini just as much as somebody else does. So there's definitely a huge shift with activism on this space. For sure. I think it's a lot of bringing awareness to stigma that all Mm -hmm. of us have. I really do believe all of us have in a bout of stigma based on body body size and body type, Um, but Mm -hmm. bringing awareness to it and realizing that it actually has crossed over. And this is, we talk about this in a lot of different area of politics too, but it actually has crossed over into policymaking. And, you know, like we talked about weight stigma in a previous episode of how doctors treat different patients, literally what they prescribe them. They can sometimes make these life altering or even fatal decisions based on a pre-existing weight stigma that they have inside of them for this patient that they're just visually looking at. And Brooke and I talk about this all the time. You cannot, period, no exceptions, no whatever, determine someone's health simply by looking at them. You cannot, period. Mm-hmm. That's inclusive of everybody. Think of anybody you think you can judge their, their um, health status in, you can't. Just mm-hmm. period. There's no like exceptions, no caveats, period. So body positivity and fat positivity or fat acceptance are mm-hmm. terms used to kind of bring awareness to a, not only what diet culture preaches, which is hate your body, hate yourself thin, you know, these sorts of things that you should always be pursuing a smaller body or a more fit body, or you should be eating these foods, not those foods. So it's bringing awareness and then also encouraging that self-love like Brooke was talking about. And actually, I think it starts with neutrality. Like mm-hmm. if you're really coming from a place of you're mean to your body, you hate your body, you're so depressed and uncomfortable with the body that you're in, it starts with just being neutral and just saying like statements of neutrality, like this is my body. These are my thighs. These are my stretch marks into a place of actual love and acceptance and then positivity. And like, Hey, I actually love these thighs. They actually do so much for me. They help me carry my children, you know, those sorts of thought processes. And Brooke and I actually go really in depth and in detail on this in our course where we teach you how to stop those thoughts mid thought and then how mm-hmm. to reframe them, which is so, so important when accepting this body positivity. Um, but I do think it's important to note that right now there's kind of a split in mm-hmm. the body positivity world where all of a sudden body positivity is no longer appropriate because mm-hmm. people in larger bodies believe that people using body positivity actually only still mean a certain group of people can be positive about their body. So that's where like the fat positivity, fat acceptance, you know, that kind of thing pulls in and says, Hey, stop talking about it. If you're in like a normal looking body or you, yeah, you have body positivity because we all struggle with thoughts about our body, but you're still thin, white, privileged, all these sorts of things. Mm -hmm. And we're actually want to pull 
the attention away from you and focus on the women that are actually in larger bodies and letting them know that they're beautiful too. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. I think that's the big, um, pushback against the body positive movement is a lot of people preaching body positive messages and you and I too. I mean, we definitely, I think preach a body neutral slash body positive message and we really want to prevent weight stigma, but you and I are white. We're privileged. We're in normal size bodies. You know, we're not a size zero, but we are in normal size bodies. And so I think we are the ones getting pushed back because we are not women of color. We are not in a very large body. We don't have to deal with abuse and negative things being said to our faces about our body. Like we don't have to deal with a lot of things that we have thin privilege. Like let's just be blunt and we have thin privilege. And so we truly can understand to a point what other women are going through because we, I'm sure we've both got made fun of in general about our body at some point or another, but it's not something that's consistently thrown in our face. And unfortunately for other people, that is something that they have to deal with on a daily basis. And that's not acceptable at all. Um, but I think, yeah, moving more into what body neutral means is, is just taking the focus off your outer, outer appearance in general and focusing on feeling better. So feeling better mentally and physically, just taking no matter what you look like on the outside, just taking that away for a moment and focusing on inside. What, how do I feel? How does this food make me feel? How do, how, how do I feel when I get more sleep? How do I feel when my stress levels are low? Focusing on what your body does for you. So can I walk? Can I go walk five miles if I want to? Do I have a body that is breathing on its own? Do I have a heart that functions well? Like just becoming grateful for things that your body is doing for you because I know people in wheelchairs and I know people, my son had open heart surgery. I mean, his, he didn't just get blessed with this perfectly functioning heart that we all take for granted. And, you know, we have patients all the time who have cancer and, it's just like until you have a health a health um, catastrophe, like needing a major surgery or getting a cancer diagnosis, you really, truly, a lot of times we just take our health for granted. And so body neutrality is just focusing on what your body is doing for you right now and then acknowledging those negative thoughts without judgment. So I think in our course, yeah, we do talk about that acknowledging that we all have negative thoughts. We all have things about our body that we don't like and just acknowledging, yes, I don't love my thighs. However, I'm not going to judge those thoughts and I am going to focus on how I feel rather than what my thighs look like. And eventually, hopefully it comes to acceptance where, yep, this is my body and I'm not going to change it and I'm cool with it. And whoever loves me, loves me for me and not for my thighs. Yeah. Um, I think I saw this thing um, the other day that was talking about body positivity because the, and I'll be completely honest with you guys, the first time I heard about body positivity versus fat positive, you know, those sorts of things, I was really, or thin privilege specifically, let's talk about the first time I was uh, introduced to thin privilege, instantly I was like, I don't have thin privilege because I'm not mm -hmm. as size zero. And I'm like, yeah, I don't have that. I don't, and it, I want to be sensitive here because there's people like me who, when they first hear it, get immediately defensive because we all have things that we've struggled with within our own bodies or mm -hmm. other people, like Brooke said, we've all probably experienced getting made fun of, getting, you know, talked about 
or we think they're talking about us. And so then it's perceived as they're making fun of us, whatever that might be about our own bodies. We all have insecurities. So I don't want to belittle that or say that's not important because it is. And it's a huge struggle to overcome. So when I first heard thin privilege and that I would be in that group, even though I'm nowhere near a size zero, I was so turned off by it. Like, absolutely not. I'm not part of that. I don't subscribe to that. But here's the thing that I heard someone say once was body positivity doesn't mean you don't struggle with your body or your life Mm -hmm. isn't hard. Um, Sorry, not body positivity, thin privilege. Thin privilege doesn't mean that you don't have issues with your body and you don't struggle with your body image and that your life isn't hard. It's just that external forces are not making it worse for you. Mm -hmm. So the people who don't have thin privilege are in a body where the world makes it hard for them to live. Mm -hmm. That's where that kind of line crosses where people like me who aren't a size zero or nowhere near, you're like, I don't have thin privilege because I'm not quote unquote thin. Well, most people I don't think would categorize themselves as thin, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, typically. But most of us have thin privilege. Exactly. (laughs) And so Mm -hmm. you're struggling with this like body image. So you don't ever want to say, oh, I'm thin or I have a privilege for being thin because I'm still working through it. I'm still struggling and my life is hard. I don't feel like I have everything someone who is thin in my eyes has that I want. Well, these people are in bodies that actually society makes it hard for them to live. So they can't walk into a store and find clothes that fit them. They can't Mm -hmm. sit on a bus or a plane or a train or whatever and fit in one seat. That's Mm -hmm. where the policies or the, you know, what society has built doesn't fit their bodies, which makes their lives significantly harder to live. And Mm -hmm. that's what they talk about thin privilege. And it took me a long time to understand that and to accept that I am part of that privileged group of people who don't understand and possibly may never understand what it's like to live in a body that society makes it hard to live in. Mm-hmm. So yeah, absolutely. That distinction. Cause I had a hard time. It took me a long time to swallow that pill. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Cause I also firmly believe in you make your own life and you can like have control of your own destiny and who cares what society says. I mean, literally our podcast is called um, diet riot. Like <laughs> I'm a rebel and I'm against the society norm and I'm not going to accept what other people have to say about me. So I, I got a little, I got a little testy when I learned about this whole thing. <laughs> yeah. Well, and it's hard because we just, I think a lot of us don't want to perceive ourselves as, oh, my life's so easy. I'm so perfect, blah, blah, blah. And so a lot of us just don't feel like we fit in this category because again, mm-hmm. we, you and I, we're not size zero. So we just automatically think, oh, we're not thin enough to experience this. But, you know, on a daily basis, we aren't, getting told we need to lose weight. We don't go to the doctor on a regular basis. And the doctor is look, literally looks at the scale and says, you need to lose weight or you're going right. to die. That's their I first mean, line of defense for a lot mm-hmm. of these people um, yeah. is literally, I mean, you come in with postpartum depression, you come in with anxiety, mm-hmm. you come in with even mental disorders or something physical and their first line of defense is, Oh, well, if you lose weight, all of that will go away, which yeah. is terrifying. Right. And it's not the end all be all. I mean, just because you lose weight does not mean that in turn, because you lose weight automatically, your symptoms and side effects and disease states are going to go away. Mm -hmm. You know, typically we, we talk about this all the time, but weight loss or weight gain or weight loss is typically a side effect of something bigger. So Mm -hmm. it doesn't, 
just because you magically gain weight or lose weight does not mean that it's going to fix any, any internal like things going on. You know, if you have cancer, just, if you just try to lose weight, it doesn't fix cancer. Like Mm -hmm. that's not the way to treat cancer. And same with even PCOS. I hear that all the time. I think that's the most thing, the most common one for women is, um, Oh, you have PCOS. Oh, well, if you just lose 20 pounds, you're going to get your period back and get pregnant and Mm -hmm. have a normal cycle. Well, no, that's not necessarily true. And then a lot of these women we'll go into it. We'll probably have a PCOS expert on here at some point, but Mm. you know, then these women start restricting and dieting and then their periods don't come back because now they've created a whole new problem. So yeah, they may have lost weight from restriction short, short term, but their period isn't back because now, you know, and it's just like, it, it doesn't fix the problem here. So let's just make that clear. And we, we talk a lot about this. If you all want to go back to a past episode, we did somewhat recently, it's called intuitive eating and weight loss. And we do talk a lot about thin privilege in that episode, a lot about it. So if you're interested in this topic, that's a really good episode. One of my favorite ones. Yeah. And I want to be clear here because we've actually gotten several direct messages recently talking about the fear that's around loved ones that they Mm -hmm. have that are overweight or obese Mm -hmm. or, you know, and again, and maybe we should do a whole episode about the BMI. We should. Because there's so much to unpack there and we keep just like dismissing it. And I don't think people understand why. So it'd be good Mm -hmm. to have like an episode on that. But um, literally using this arbitrary tool to say, oh, you're in the overweight or obese category. I'm scared for you. You're going to, your life has been cut short, all these things. So I think when people hear things like fat positive and body acceptance or body positivity or fat positivity, all these terms, which essentially I think at the root of it mean the same thing, even though people may be misusing it or, Mm -hmm. you know, disincluding people that should be included. But in an ideal world, body positivity would encompass everybody and everybody's equal. Here's the thing. No one's talking about their health. No one's talking Mm -hmm. about their healthy habits or their behaviors or whatever. We are simply talking about people's body size, regardless of what their health behaviors are. And we all know that Brooke and I believe that you can be healthy at every size. We truly believe that. But we're not talking about that. We're talking about everyone deserves, everyone deserves basic respect. Everyone deserves to live in an environment and a community where they are treated as equal and seen as equal and loved and cared for and prescribe the right things. I mean, literally that's the neutrality. This is like racism. It's like the, the easiest thing for me to kind of compare mm-hmm. it to. It's yeah. like, it's a social justice issue of comparing people in different bodies. And instead of ranking them from best to worst, therefore trying to equate health from healthiest to least healthy, none of that matters in a sense. It's, it's focusing on, and this whole movement is focusing on Everybody is beautiful. Everybody is worthy. Everybody should be loved. Everybody should get all things equally. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and yeah. sometimes I, I think people yeah. hear it and get super scared that we're promoting quote unquote obesity mm-hmm. and we're promoting unhealthy habits and we're promoting this horrible lifestyle. And it's like, it has nothing to do with that. It means that regardless of what body you're in, you deserve human respect and equality. Right. First and foremost, you deserve to be treated with respect from others, but we also deserve to treat our bodies with respect. And I think that's what a lot of people miss is absolutely. It doesn't matter what somebody's race is, what their sexual orientation is, what they look like on the outside, how big or small they are. Every single person deserves respect 
from all of us. And we all need to work on that. I mean, I just look at our society. That's not happening right now. And that needs to happen first and foremost. But second of all, we need to treat ourselves with respect. And right now that's not happening either. So a lot of people talk so negatively about their bodies and then they don't treat their bodies right. They, they don't treat their bodies well. And okay. So we all deserve respect from other people and we need to treat others with respect, just like first grade, kindergarten, whatever we learned that treat your neighbor with respect. But we also need to treat our bodies with respect. And a lot of times we talk so negatively about ourselves that we don't treat our bodies with respect with the way we're talking and the way we're treating it. Because we all can do a better job of let's move my body in a way that feels good. Let me go take a bath. Let me go get a massage. Let me nourish my body with foods that taste good, but also give me energy. And I think a lot of times we just, we don't give our bodies enough respect and treat it with like if you have other totally common things, but just going to therapy or getting on a medication or treating those is treating your body with respect, trying to get help. And so I think a lot of times we just don't treat our bodies with respect. And then we aren't, you know, getting to that point of ideal health for ourselves. And so Alyssa and I, we Mm -hmm. want to help you become healthier. We want to help you treat your body with respect, but we also don't want you to think that you have to be a certain size and that's the only way to be healthy. Or that your healthy habits are the same as my healthy habits. Mm-hmm. Health is oh, yeah. so personal, you guys. It is completely different. Just like we all require a different hour number of sleep personally, but also per day. I mean, it changes so drastically. And this is why the body positivity, fat positivity, fat acceptance, all these things are so important is regardless of what you think is healthy, someone else views health as completely different. So, and what works for them is completely different. I mean, there are some general rules that work for most bodies, but not everybody, you know? Mm -hmm. And so it's important that if you see someone in a larger body making a choice that you consider unhealthy, that's weight stigma of you saying, oh, that person therefore is unhealthy. Well, maybe that behavior, and I I mean, honestly, I can't can't think of a great example right now, but let's say they're running and not walking and you're like, they should really, or they're walking, not running. And you say, they should really be running. You know, they need to lose weight. They need to run. That's weight stigma. You're looking at them. Well, maybe for their body, their joints, maybe they've had a hip replacement. Maybe they've, who knows, you know, maybe they're recovering from an injury. Maybe they're just tired. Maybe they don't like running and it's bad on their mental health. You have no idea. So to impose what you think is healthy on someone else, maybe even influenced by their body size, because if you saw Brooke walking, you probably wouldn't say, oh, she should be running. That's Mm -hmm. the weight stigma that's internal in our head. I share a story in our course actually about this of a waitress choosing to give someone diet Pepsi or diet Coke because of their weight. Well, I Mm -hmm. should give them diet. It's the same idea. It's would you have made that choice for someone if you're looking at me or Brooke? Would you say, oh, I should give them the diet Coke or whatever? That's the weight stigma that we're talking about. So it's it's noticing and bringing awareness to everyone deserves equal treatment regardless of their body size, but also regardless of the decisions that you see in a split second Mm -hmm. or even if you saw their whole thing. You don't get to judge someone else's health status or body size or how much respect they get based on what they choose to do with their time. It's so personal. Health is so personal. And guess what? It's between them and their body anyways. 
Yeah. And I think it's hard. It's hard to draw a line here because I know of a lot of people who like, let's say for instance, your parent or partner smokes. Mm -hmm. That is something that's affecting their health. It's something that's affecting your health and your household. If somebody in your family is dealing with an addiction, if somebody in your family um, has high blood pressure and they refuse to try even walking or getting any exercise, if they're refusing to eat any fruit or vegetable, I get that. That's hard because when you see that somebody does have a health issue that maybe partly is controllable, like stopping smoking or trying to eat more fruits and vegetables or trying to go for a walk with the family, you know, I know people that, you know, their spouse can't even make it on a 20 minute walk with, with them and their kids. And I get that. That's hard because you want your spouse or your parent or your sibling or your child to be healthy. You want them to live a long life. And so I think we just need to focus on those certain behaviors versus what they look like on the outside. So, oh, my mom or dad or brother or sister, they're overweight. So because they're overweight, they're automatically unhealthy and they're going to die early. No, let's look at their other habits. Now, if your brother or sister is a chronic smoker and they do this and this and this, and they, they have a long laundry list of, of health issues, they might be in a small body. You know, I know plenty of people who have very, very unhealthy habits and they are not treating their bodies with respect. However, they're not in a large body. And so I could easily be more concerned for somebody in a smaller body doing these things versus somebody in a larger body who, who really is not doing any of those majorly, you know, concerning behaviors. So, but I get it. I get it as like, you know, when you're a spouse or a child or you, you do want your family members and friends to live a long life. And I, I get how that can be really emotional. Well, and what diet culture has taught us is that weight equals health. It Where you are on that weight scale equals health. And there's this golden area right in that BMI range of 18.5 to 24.5 or whatever, where they're like, okay, if that person in that excuse me, in that weight range, you don't have to worry. They're healthy. And that's what diet culture has taught us. So when they're underweight or overweight or obese or whatever, people start to decide that, oh, let me look into your habits and make decisions for you. And Mm -hmm. the problem that this creates, so like Brooke and I have said several times, I think already is like, we look at the habits and we say, okay, what is serving me and what's not? And we're I always try to explain this and I want to find a really good way to explain it, but we're not talking about like the surface level base level. Like yesterday I went for a run on my surface level. I didn't want to go for a run. It didn't sound great to me, but if you dig a little bit deeper and you say, okay, what do I want to do at this time? What will serve me? How do I want to feel at the end of this day? You know, that sort of thing. Then I looked at it and was like, no, I actually do want to go on a run. I want to feel fit. I want to get outside. I want to feel good in my own body. I want to feel strong, you know, these things. So you just have to dig a little deeper because I do think we're ingrained in saying these like surface level answers like, oh, I hate working out. Oh, I hate salads. And I think that is too a way that diet culture has affected us because they've shoved these things down our throat. We actually are resentful towards them. So they lay claims on salads as being diet foods and working out as punishment. So then, of course, our bodies are going to say, I hate those things. Of course, our in- initial reaction to those are going to be 
no, absolutely not. And that's the wet paint thing. Like wet paint, don't touch. You immediately want to touch. You want to do, mm-hmm. it's, it's so counterintuitive. But actually when you release those restrictions, when you have the food freedom and you find joyful movement and you let yourself experience all foods and all movements and all activities without the judgment, shame, and stigma, you actually choose health-promoting behaviors typically when you're able to dig down deep and really feel like what will work best for your for your body. So like Brooke is saying, it's really hard. It's really hard to watch people in anybody <laughs> make mm-hmm. decisions that you think are unhealthy. But the best way to go about that isn't shaming, guilting, you know, stigmatizing, making them feel more isolated and more alone in making a health promoting or not a health promoting decision, but actually releasing some of that shame and guilt and letting them develop for themselves what feels good in their body. And by doing that, you can be encouraging it and modeling it in your own life. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think we need a lot. <laughs> yeah, I think we need to do a full episode too on on just parenting. Because I hear so many times in just mom groups and stuff that, well, I have three kids and one of my kids is a little chubby. I'm so worried they're going to get really fat. So I think I'm going to put this child on a diet and not the rest of the family. What do you think? And just hearing stuff like that breaks my heart. And so I think we need to do an entire episode on that because there's so much to unpack there. And then we will also do a full episode on BMI because again, like you just talked about, if you're between the BMI range of, yeah, whatever it is, 18.5 to 24.5 or something like that, then you're considered normal and you're perceived as healthy. However, I know so many people that are in the overweight category or technically obese category, if you're really muscular and they are living a much healthier lifestyle than people that are in that normal category. And so and vi- yeah, vice versa too. Mm-hmm. It can go any which way. Mm-hmm. And actually that's a really good point about, you know, our diet culture has trained us and um, gotten into our minds to be fat phobic. That's, that's another term that used to kind of like ring me the wrong way is fat phobia. I'm not afraid of fat people. It's not being afraid of fat people. It's being afraid of getting fat. It's being afraid of your kids getting fat. It's thinking Mm -hmm. that being fat is the worst thing that could happen to anyone in this world. Guys, there are worse things in this world Mm -hmm. than being fat. And this is where it comes from this idea of skewed perception, I think, because of the BMI of what health can look like. Mm -hmm. And we don't know how healthy someone is because if we, we can't hold on to there's health at every size and everyone can be healthy and still be afraid of getting fat at the same time. You can't. Mm -hmm. You can believe in having a set point weight that works best Mm -hmm. for your body. You can believe that intuitive eating for you, like it did for me, leads to weight loss. You know, we're not afraid of weight loss. We're not for weight loss. We're not for intentional weight loss. But it's so hard to explain. <laughs> it's just, yeah. it's the, the fat phobia of explaining or thinking that the worst thing in this world is getting or being fat. And that's all derived from our society telling us that that's the worst thing you can do because then you're unhealthy. You're not pretty. You're not socially acceptable. You won't find love. All these things come along with that, which then of course, of course we're afraid of getting fat. If society tells us no one's going to love us, If society Mm -hmm. tells us we're not going to belong, of course. Right. And you have to think too. So we've talked about this in our course, but, you know, stress 
causes weight gain for most mm-hmm. people. The the hormones and, and everything involved in stress typically causes weight gain. A lot of a lot of us might gain some weight during quarantine. If you've lost your job, if you are financially strapped. So there's so much going on, especially right now, that you may gain weight because of stress. But just think about all of the people out there who daily basis and being abused verbally and and so I think the the fat positive movement and acceptance movement is heading in such a good direction because if if anybody who is in that, you know, in a we'll just call it like a fat or larger body, if they start accepting that and feeling good and, you know, encouraging self-love and self-care and self-esteem, guess what? You know, once that stressor is off the plate, they may find that they were at a higher set point weight than their than their body wanted them to be at. And they may end up getting down to what their set point weight is because they removed that stress. And then mm-hmm. same with body neutral. It's it's removing, I don't care what I look like right now. I'm not focused on that. I'm focused on bettering my health and my longevity. And then you likely will get to your set point weight at some point. And I can't tell you what your set point weight is. Alyssa can't tell you what your set point weight is. I can only tell you what my set point weight is because of years of intuitive eating and, mm-hmm. and that's it. And it's a range. And so once you've been on this journey long enough, the goal is to get you at your set point weight. Right. But again, it's not a number that we magically know and can tell you. You can't come to me and say, I think my set point weight's 105 pounds, so I'm going to get there. No, you don't know that that's your body's set point weight until you've removed all the rules and all the restrictions and really accepted your body where you're at um, and really dug down into that intuitive eating journey. Your, your body will likely get to that set point weight. And that is the goal. And it might be weight loss. It might be weight gain. And it might be your weight stays the same, but you feel way healthier and your labs are improved and nobody mm-hmm. knows. I mean, it's it's a case by case basis. And I know people don't like to hear that. <laughs> it's hard to hear. People but. hate to hear it. If you're even mm-hmm. right now, if you've listened to this episode, maybe you're mad at us, maybe you're drafting up an email of hate and anger, <laughs> and you're feeling um, like a little attacked or um, vulnerable, or maybe you're feeling scared, or maybe you're feeling like, if I let go of my weight, or I tell my dad to let go of his weight, then I'm giving up on health. And I just encourage you to sit with that and give it space and give it time before you email us, before you write up a Facebook post or whatever, um, and just give it time because this took me a really long time to come to terms with, you guys. This is not, this is something that we're all going to have to struggle through because weight stigma and these these movements and this, um, this yeah, stigma, I don't know what other word to use, but against um against the idea of not having to lose weight all the time, it's so ingrained in us as as children. I mean, really, we are raised in diet culture, you guys. So the first time you hear these thoughts and these ideas scare you. Yeah. And that that's what diet culture is. It's fear-mongering. That's what it uses as its vehicle to keep you in line, to keep you at a place where you're giving them your money, you're feeling bad about yourself, so you buy this product or you do that or what have you. It's That's the point. And so, of course, the first time you hear this, you're going to get an emotional response. You're going to feel victimized. You're going to feel attacked. You're going to want to rebel or whatever. And I just encourage you to sit with it 
and maybe listen to this episode a few times, go to other places, you guys, and listen to other fat positive, um, active, like activists and other accounts. And you don't have to agree with everything. You don't have to agree with that. I don't agree with everything that's out there. I think there's a lot out there that has actually damaging. I think there's a pendulum and it has swung really far. So I do think there's a lot of damaging information out there as well. But all you can do is educate yourself and try to be as objective as you can. And I know that's really hard because we are passionate about keeping our loved ones safe and healthy or maybe ourselves safe and healthy. And we've been told for so long that if we're not dieting, then we're going to die young or we're going to, you know, we're going to develop some sort of chronic illness. And I know it's really, really scary, but I encourage you to keep listening, keep reading, keep investigating, give yourself space, give yourself, you know, like Brooke said, it takes a really long time to find your set point weight. It, It also takes a really long time to undo what diet culture has done to us which is really heartbreaking but um it it takes a really long time you guys so just have grace with yourself it took me a long time to get to even to the point of today I mean we're 76 78 episodes in or whatever of recording and I feel just now confident enough in the way that I feel about this whole side of intuitive eating to record an episode on it mm-hmm. exactly yeah um I think that our course has a lot of, if this, if this is something that really intrigued you and you feel like I'm really struggling with this, I'm really struggling with body image. I am struggling with getting healthier and not knowing how I'm struggling with food rules. I think our course is a perfect thing to start. Again, if you haven't read the book intuitive eating or health at every size yet, I would start there too. They do have an intuitive eating workbook. That's really good. So that might be the first place to start just to kind of get a better understanding of some of these terms. And then if you read that or you've read it and you feel like this is where I, I want to go, I believe in this, but I'm not sure how, then I think our course is a really good next step. And there's a lot of other good podcasts out there that are preaching the same message. And so if you love our podcast and you want to learn more from another perspective, we would be happy to share some of our favorite intuitive eating podcasts with you guys, just so you get a better idea. And the more you listen, the more you learn. Yeah. And the more, I mean, the more you do seriously listen and give yourself, try to be objective, I guess is what I want to say. Because um, when I first heard these terms, it was innate in me. And I think it's innate in most people to put up our defenses and say, not me, not me, not me. I'm not part of that group. You know, I'm, I'm not using body positivity as a way to still keep fat people out. And I don't think people intend to do that. But that's kind of where that movement has gone is a thin woman saying, Oh, I'm finally at peace with my stretch marks. Meanwhile, someone who's, you know, in a bigger body, and has stretch marks from the time that they were seven, and you know, all these different things that they feel uncomfortable in their body looks at that and goes, I would kill for that, you know, and it's, it's a really hard situation. And it's really hard to understand until you're in it, until you understand, until you do the research in it. So I would encourage you to do that. And then I did want to share. So when I was kind of doing some research for this article, um, I wanted to get some other people's perspective. And I wanted to share this or this. What's it called? Um, I don't know. Oh, I wanted to share this analogy that I read online. So it's an article from Bustle and it's from a and like a fat positive influencer. Um, and she talked about the difference between body positivity and 
the um, fat positive movement talking about holding an umbrella. And basically it's raining outside and everyone's getting rained on and everyone's getting wet and it's negative and it's all these negative comments and they're feeling pressure and they're feeling stress and all these things. And she basically said that body positivity is a big umbrella, giving cover to a lot of people who have had to stand in the rain. So under her umbrella are hurdled her are huddled her friends who are just like her, imperfect and on a journey towards self-love. However, they're not really fat. They're up against an impossible standard, of course, but most of them are fatphobic at this point in their journey. They see themselves as self-accepting and maybe willing to look at someone lumpy like Lena Dunham, which I don't no, I said that name right. I don't know. Without being cruel. However, they do not want to share that umbrella with fat people. They're still morally bankrupt, still too non-compliant, still too culpable for having let ourselves get so, so fat. We don't belong under the positivity umbrella because we can't shop with them, distance and ads with them, or share our mild stories of unrequited love with them. The fat people who are still standing in the raid need something bigger than that umbrella. We're over here putting up a big tent that houses our outside anger, our stories of terror and isolation, our alienation from everything from sex to a marketplace that will only accept money for anything but will not sell us clothes. And that's like her example of what the difference is between body positivity and fat positive. So I think she just put it really beautifully in a way that I had never heard before. Um, This is Meg Ellison. So she's on Instagram at Megan Ellison. So I'll definitely link it below and I'll link the article because it was really helpful to get other people's perspectives. And that's, I think that's the point of this episode too, is what you know from your childhood and your, the way you were raised and what you've learned and where you went to college is your perspective on the world. And it's important. It's important to share. It's important that you think that way, but don't think for a second that the way that you view the world can encompass all and everybody else's point of view. You only have your circumstances and your window of the way that you see the world. So it's important to read other people's perspectives. Yeah, definitely. That was good. That was good. Well, that was a big topic. So yeah, I know. if you guys have any questions, feel free to just send us a DM. Otherwise, definitely go back and listen to that intuitive eating and weight loss episode because a mm-hmm. lot of this was you know, a similar topic as what we've already discussed. And then don't forget, we are still doing a giveaway. So if you want to win two books, Health at Every Size and Intuitive Eating, which are amazing, I hope you've read both. But if not, here's your chance to win them. And then we are also giving away an Amazon gift card for $25, Fit Stack Snacks, and um, Diet Riot merch. So if you want to get entered, you just have to leave a written review. So it takes two minutes of time and it's super helpful to help get our podcast out there. So we would really appreciate a written review from you guys. Yeah. And did you say you can get an extra entry for sharing us on social, right? Oh yeah. So once you do a written review, you can share us with friends on social media, just tag us so that we know and we can enter Mm -hmm. you. And then... We also have a survey that we're doing. So Alyssa and I are launching something pretty exciting. We're not going to really talk about it much, but we have something really cool in the works for you all. And so if you want to help us, we would greatly appreciate it. There is a three-minute survey in our bio. If you click on that, you can just give your input. What do you want from us? What do you want from two dietitians? What are you struggling with? Because we want to make this awesome thing that we are doing that we're not telling you about. That's a secret. (laughs) We want to make it the best experience for you. And 
Yeah. I'm just, I'm super excited about it, but we can't <laughs> talk about it yet. So take the yeah, survey so, though. It'd be great. Exactly. So keep your ears out, keep your eyes open, follow us on social media if you want to know what's going on, because we'll definitely start sharing it there first, probably. Mm -hmm. So we're at diet.riot.podcast. You can always email us or direct message us or get in contact with us to make a recommendation for a podcast episode. We've had lots of those. Um, Ask a question, like a follow-up question. We'd love to do another Q&A episode, actually. That'd be super fun. Um, Mm -hmm. And then, yeah, stay tuned for our exciting announcement that's coming soon, and we definitely need your help to finish it. So go to the link in our bio or not bio. <laughs> I'm so used to Instagram. Yeah. Go to the link in the description box and fill out our survey. And don't forget to enter that giveaway. And we will see you next Tuesday with a brand new episode. Yeah. And don't forget to follow um, Alyssa at Mama and Me RD. If you are a mom, there is so much good information. I'm a mom and I'm learning from her. So I mean, there's oh, a lot you. of good info. Um, she also has a new podcast. So if you want to shout that out quick. Yeah, I'll plug it. Thanks, Brooke. Um, yeah, so my mom and ERD um, Instagram platform is built for moms in raising children who hold on to their intuitive eating um, abilities. So if you're learning how to be an intuitive eater, there's the reason why we're no longer intuitive eaters from when we're born until now is because of diet culture. So I try to teach moms how to encourage their children to stay on the intuitive eating path so that they don't have to do the undoing that we're doing now. Um, and then, yeah, so I have my Instagram, Mom and MirD, but then I also just launched a podcast. It's called Nutrition for Littles. I'll link that down below as well, but it's with me, your Mom and MirD, um, where I do 15 minute short episodes <laughs> to the point. It's just me. So you can listen to it while you're taking a shower or, you know, rocking the baby to sleep. That's what I do. Put one headphone in and rock the baby to bed or whatever um, and get your information that way. So. Yeah, and don't and forget to follow Brooke. I finally have my own Instagram, everybody. <laughs> like that's not a personal Instagram. I finally have a business Instagram. Um, so you can follow me at Brooke Miller Nutrition. And I am also working on something super exciting. I am going to be launching a group nutrition program. And so <laughs> if that is something that you are considering, Hey, I'm lost. I need a little bit more help. I can't afford one-on-one or I don't want to pay for one-on-one because listen, one-on-one coaching is super expensive. Mm -hmm. If, if group coaching is something that you are interested in, just send me a message. The program's not complete yet, but I do want to start a waiting list. And that way I can just build an email list for people who are maybe interested. And then you'll be the first to know about the pricing. You'll get the cheapest prices, all of that stuff. So if that's something that sounds somewhat appealing to you or you're curious about, just send me a DM. I'll just get you on the wait list, um, email list. That way you'll get the first, you'll be the first to know about everything. Which is super exciting because a lot of you have actually reached out to us and asked if we offer a group coaching program and we do not at this point. So definitely an awesome opportunity to work with Brooke. So highly recommend checking that out. We'll put all the information below and all over our Instagram. So make sure to follow us there. Email us, click open that little arrow so you can actually see the description box right now in your podcast and check us all out. All right, Diet Rioters, we will see you next week. I'm recording. Okay. Well, let's catch one of those bad boys on on tape. Mm-hmm. What do people say now since they don't say on tape? I don't know. I don't on, know. But on mic. <laughs>
Anyway, I just ate Qdoba. I'm really gassy and I'm regretting the fact that I am in a really small office. It's probably like 200 square feet and the doors are shut. And I just, oh, I have a window. I should open the window. It's nice. Coronavirus is out there, man. Don't open the window. It's better better than this. (laughs) That's incredible. That's so funny. I'm so grateful that we're not quarantined together. (laughs) Okay, I just opened the window. Thank God for Zoom. some light in here. That's hilarious. Um, Yeah. So are you still eating out and stuff, like ordering food in? and I did DoorDash for lunch. Yeah. I, Josh and I have yeah. not eaten out since right after his birthday. Like February 26th? Either. No. We haven't done any of that. I don't know. I just like, it makes me, it, it's probably fine, right? We left but it at like, our front door. We didn't even see the guy. Yeah. But I still it like, got out I think about who's preparing the food and then yeah. like, then boxing it and then the boxes. But like, it's oh. the same as groceries. I know. Yeah. I mean, really, it it's like. I saw yeah. somebody Lysoling down everything in her trunk <laughs> yeah. before bringing it in the house. And I was like, oh, should I be doing that? So we we have a system. I don't know. Yeah, we do. Kind of. We wipe things down with like, I made like a bleach concoction because Lysol sold out except for your husband has it at $10 a sheet. Is that right? Yeah, he is selling it. <laughs> also, we have, <laughs> you know those people that hoard toilet paper? Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's our household. It's our household. <laughs> that's, um, that's hilarious. He yesterday this truck pulls up and drops off two boxes and I was like what did you order and he's like oh I ordered toilet paper like a month ago oh wow you guys I mean we have like a hundred rolls of toilet paper I'm not joking (laughs) I are we have our our babysitter um who watches Ashton during the day she's like in her 70s and so I was like do you need toilet paper I will I'll come over and bring you toilet paper you know you let me know oh and she's like no I'm good and I, I wish she, that she That's just hilarious. needed some so I could bring her some well we might need some because I have not bought toilet paper no, one time we haven't well, 20 so we bucks have... a sheet <laughs> exactly a little <laughs> okay. tiny square um we have Amazon Prime like delivery or whatever that automatically sends mm-hmm. us stuff and toilet papers on there and paper towels, like all these things that everyone's wanting right now. And so I had a stockpile of them just because I'm bad at, it always asks you like, how often do you need the shipment? And I'm like, Oh, every month sounds great. Or every other month. Yeah. But then we don't go through it that fast. So I had right. a, so we still have a whole box of toilet paper, but if we run out, I might come to you. So yeah. Um, no, I, instead of, I post this on my Instagram, but instead of panic buying toilet paper, I literally panic bought random books because I was like, I want to read. And I just like grabbed a handful of books from Costco. And then I panic bought coffee. So I have six bags of coffee of like our normal coffee, which is six pounds plus a huge bag from Costco, which I think is three pounds. And then my mother-in-law just gave us a bag. That's I think two and a half pounds. So if you need coffee, we could just trade. Yeah, yeah that's true. Actually, I would 100% be down for that. I was I way think more that's a nervous fair about out of coffee. Yeah, I agree. Okay. Yeah, coffee let's, makes you poop. So like, yeah. <laughs> you need both, you know? You need both. Coffee and keto. <laughs> well, and we have a bidet, so I'm also kind of like, man, eh, whatever. Let's just oh use the bidet. Oh my gosh, I need the bidet. Oh my gosh, I have to tell you this funny story. And we haven't even said hi to anyone yet, but whatever. <laughs> Um, we were telling well, Josh's, we put this on the back end of the yeah episode. the back. <laughs> we were telling Josh's grandma. We were facetiming with her, and we were telling her about because she was asking about if we had toilet paper or whatever. And she's like, "Can you believe this?" And Josh tells her that we have a bidet, and she he goes, 
we have a day, so we're not too worried about it. It's fine. And she goes, she gets really quiet. And then she goes, Josh, bidets are just for women. <laughs> and Josh is like, no. so confused. He's like, no, they're, they're not, Grandma. <laughs> yeah. And she goes, she goes, Josh, those are for women after they give birth. And so she thinks a bidet is like a, a squirt bottle thing. What are those things oh, called? Oh, I don't remember what those are called. Oh, my gosh. You know what I'm talking about. Everyone knows. Oh, what yeah. If you've had a baby, yeah. you know what If you've had a baby, about. you know. It's like yeah. a douche, right? Isn't that what it is? Yeah. <laughs> it's like um, a douche. Yeah, it just squirts the outside. Yes. And so I think that's yeah. what she's thinking of. But then Josh is like trying to explain it. And I was like, Josh, don't tell your, don't talk to your grandmother about spraying water at your butthole after you poop, please. <laughs> it was the funniest conversation. It was just like, she really thought it was just for women after they give birth. And she was so confused why Josh is using it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's amazing. Oh, Lord, 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 Lord. Okay, sorry. <laughs> 18 That's, minutes in. Yeah. Um, anyways, 